Lord Jesus, I thank you for this day, Lord. I thank you that we celebrate your awesome presence in this place. I thank you that we get to celebrate the truth of God's word and how it impacts our lives. I thank you, Lord, that today spiritual ears and eyes will be opened to the revelation knowledge of the son of the living God. I thank you, Holy Spirit, that you draw us all to you, that we may submit our lives to you. God, I thank you that you will draw us today and that we will leave here completely changed, not like we came, but transformed by the renewing of our mind by your precious word. In Jesus' name, amen. So when you hear parts of my message, you're probably going to think that I spoke with Doris or that I spoke with Brett or that I spoke with Brent. But as each part has already been played, I'm like, oh, Holy Spirit, you are so good. No one does this quite like you. So my message today is wise men still seek him. And the Lord started giving me this message a few weeks back and just kept building on it and building on it. So first of all, I want to tell you that when you leave here today, you are definitely going to want to go and read the book of Daniel. His story is so fascinating, and I derive a lot of the message today from the book of Daniel and how God uses him. So about nine years ago, while Robert and Brittany and I were in South Africa, we found ourselves talking to this man who had really studied Daniel and how he had actually been placed over the Magi by King Nebuchadnezzar, uh, which was the king of Babylon. And I realized at that time that I really didn't know that much about how Daniel was connected to the Magi. I left that day and I had to go back and read it for myself to gain understanding of what Daniel was even doing in Babylon. So I'm going to give some explanation before I start teaching on the subject. I also want to clear up some understanding about the Magi. As you know, they were also called wise men. So those two names are very interchangeable. The word magi in the Hebrew was the word they used for astrologer. They were excellent at reading the storms in the sky and then interpreting what was happening. The magi was a very special class of men who were skilled in astronomy and astrology. So obviously there were much studies going on in their lives to know the stars intently. In fact, the magi was so wise that if you were in the East, you could never become a king without having mastered the knowledge of the Magi and being crowned as king by the Magi. They were the king makers of the day. So I'm gonna start by telling you the story of Daniel. And I'm just gonna paraphrase his life and give you a quick understanding of who Daniel was and the role that he played in the birth of Jesus and why the Magi came to worship Jesus. In Daniel chapter one, Daniel was a Jew. And when the kingdom of Judah 
was besieged by King Nebuchadnezzar, it was utterly destroyed. And Daniel and some of the Jewish young men were taken into exile to Babylon. Now later, all the people of Judah were taken into Babylon for 70 years. But right then, it was just those few. At the same time that Judah was besieged, the king also took some of the precious objects from the holy temple of Judah with him. You know, invasion is never good for the city that's being invaded, right? And it probably really didn't look too good for those young men. It probably didn't look like it was going to go well for even Daniel. But God had a huge plan for his life. The king ordered him, the king ordered the chief of staff to bring a few of the young men of Judah's royal family and of the other noble families to be brought to the Babylonian captives. And he brought them into the palace. The king only wanted the strong, the healthy, the good-looking young men to be brought to the palace. There they were trained in literature and the language of the Babylonians. These were young men chosen from the tribe of Judah. And they trained there for three years. And then they were brought to the king for royal service. We know these young men by their Babylonian names, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. These young men, along with Daniel, were given a daily ration of food and wine that the king assigned them to eat from his table. So Daniel asked the chief of the staff, could we just not eat of that? We really don't want to eat that food that's coming from the king's table or the wine that's being brought to us. We do not want to be defiled. Now, the chief of staff had high respect for Daniel, but he also knew that if he told them they could just eat whatever and they started getting scrawny, then he was going to be the one that was going to be beheaded. Well, after a lot of conversation, he decides to let them eat vegetables and just drink water for the next 10 days. And at the end of that time period, the Bible says that they looked better, stronger, and more well-nourished than any of the others. God gave these young men an unusual ability to understand the language and to have great wisdom. He gave Daniel the special ability to interpret the meaning of dreams and visions. They were put in the king's royal service. And when the king would consult them about a matter requiring any type of wisdom or sound judgment, he found that they were 10 more times capable than any of the magicians and enchanters of the entire kingdom. Daniel was assigned to the court of the king because of his abilities. In chapter 2 of Daniel, it says that one night, King Nebuchadnezzar had a very disturbing dream, and he couldn't sleep at all. The king called everyone in, the Babylon, in Babylon that should be able to interpret his very disturbing dream, including the magi, or wise men. 
the enchanters, the sorcerers, the Chaldeans, and he demanded that all of them tell him what was the interpretation of his dream. But none of them could. Not one of them could. They were bargaining. Can you just give us a little hint about what you dreamed? No. He wouldn't give them any hints because he knew he wanted to know the truth. They told the king that it was impossible to tell him the meaning, that only the gods could tell him the meaning, and they didn't live among the people. The king was furious with them, and he told them, because none of them could tell him the meaning of the dream, that he was going to have all the magi, all the wise men executed. In Daniel 2.13, we see them looking to kill Daniel and his friends, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. When the king's guard gets to Daniel, it says, Daniel handled this situation with a lot of wisdom and discretion. Daniel asked why the king had issued such a harsh decree, and he volunteered to quickly go to the palace of the king. When Daniel came before the king, he asked, could I have just a little bit more time to give you the understanding of the dream? And then he went back and he asked his three close friends to pray along with him for God to give him the interpretation. So they, alone with all the other magi and wise men, would not be executed. I just want to say one quick note here. If you have things you're going through, you need to have some people around you that you can say, will you pray with me? This is life or death. I need you to come alongside of me and pray. And that's exactly what he did. That night, God revealed the secret of the dream to Daniel. Then Daniel praised the God of heaven. Daniel cried out to the Lord, praise the name of God forever and ever, for he has all wisdom and power. He controls the course of world events. He removes kings and he sets up others. He gives wisdom to the wise and knowledge to the scholars. He reveals the deep and mysterious things. He knows what lies hidden in the darkness, even though he himself is surrounded by light. I thank you and I praise you, the God of my ancestors, for you have given me wisdom and strength. You have told me what we have asked of you and you revealed it for us to be able to tell the king just like he had demanded. When Daniel was about to interpret the dream, he gave all the glory to God. He told the king there were no other wise men, enchanters, magicians, fortune tellers who could reveal the king's secret. But there was a God in heaven who revealed secrets. And he showed King Nebuchadnezzar what would happen. And it so pleased the king that Daniel specifically asked, for him to spare the lives of all the magi, the wise men who were to be executed the next day. The king was then in debt to Daniel. But we see that Daniel was always quick to give the glory to the one true God for interpreting the dream. The king then made Daniel the ruler over all the province of Babylon and over all the magi, the wise men. 
the part of Daniel's story that really speaks to my heart, it comes from being a child in Sunday school, is where I want to focus today, which is found in Daniel chapter 5. We see the new king, King Belshazzar, giving a great feast for a thousand nobles, and they're eating and they're drinking. And all of a sudden, he orders the gold and silver cups to be brought to him, the ones that were taken from the temple of Jerusalem when his grandfather Nebuchadnezzar had seized it. He wanted those cups brought to him at once. He wanted to drink from them with his nobles, his wives and concubines. So they brought these gold cups that were taken from the temple, the cups that were brought from the house of God. They had been stolen and brought there taken from Jerusalem. While they drank from them, they were praising the idols, those idols that were made of gold and silver and bronze and iron and wood and stone. And then suddenly, I love this part of the story, suddenly they saw a finger of a human hand riding on the plaster wall of the king's palace. The king himself saw the hand. Nobody could miss it. And as he looked at the writing on the wall, the king began to tremble. He began to get pale, the word says. He was pale with fright. His knees were knocking together in fear. And it says that his legs fell and he just they started falling behind him. And he could not stand anymore. The king shouted, I need the enchanters. I need the astrologers and fortune tellers to be brought before me now. He said to the wise men of Babylon, whoever can read this writing, and tell me what it means will be dressed in purple robes of royal honor and they'll have a gold chain put around their neck. It they will be the third highest ruler in the kingdom. The Bible says that no one, nope, no one could interpret the writing on the wall. And even the nobles sitting there at this big Oshindig party, they were completely shaken up and afraid. And it says that the queen mother heard what was going on, what was happening, and she went to King Belshazzar and she says, there is a man, there is a man in your kingdom who has within him the spirit of the holy gods. She told him of all the things that God had revealed to him through Nebuchadnezzar's day. All through that, that period of time, he had revealed so many things. She said he was found to have insight, understanding, and wisdom like that of God's. He was filled with divine knowledge and understanding. He could interpret dreams. He could explain riddles and solve difficult problems. The king called for Daniel at once. And we think that Daniel would have probably been about 80 years old at this point. He had served more than one king and had gone into like a retirement. But when Daniel got there, he immediately reminded this new king of the dreams that he had interpreted for Nebuchadnezzar and how they were true and how they had played out. And then he shifts his focus to King Belshazzar. Daniel 520 says, 523 says, for you, 
have proudly defied the Lord of heaven and have had these cups from the temple brought before you. You and your nobles and your wives and your concubines have been drinking wine from these cups all the while praising the gods of silver, gold, bronze, wood, and stone. Those gods that can neither see nor hear or know anything at all. But you have not honored the God who lives inside of you, the God who gives the breath of life to you and controls your destiny. So God has sent this hand to write this message. And as he interpreted the message, it began, I'm sure there was fear all over King Belshazzar as he began to interpret the message and read what was on the wall. That very night, King Belshazzar was killed and his kingdom was divided. So my first question is what made Daniel someone that God could use in such a way? Daniel was fully committed to God. He would not compromise his convictions, no matter what the cost. He had a habit of going before the Lord in prayer. The Bible says three times a day. So probably he had that relationship. It was probably more than that, that he would come before the Lord. So he had great communication with God. He did not compromise even when it meant that he would be thrown into the lion's den. You know, these are the stories that we know, right? Daniel had a strong, unbending, bold strength about him, walking in uprightness. He was before the Lord upright. What he did always pleased the Lord because he did those things unto the Lord. The Lord honored him and put him in places of authority and influence. We know that if he was placed over the Magi as chief over them, they would have learned from him the words of God. We know that Daniel was of Jewish nobility. He was well-educated and for sure, he was always willing to prove his devotion to the God that he served. Daniel 6.3 says that Daniel was preferred above other administrators and high officers because an excellent spirit was in him. An excellent spirit was in him. And the king thought to set him over the entire empire. He had the wisdom of God because he intentionally sought after him. Now, I'm the type of person that I always have one more question. Is that true? I look, at, I look at Brittany and I look at Robert. If they're saying, well, you know, he was talking about this. I'm like, oh, well, did he talk about this? Did he answer that? No, didn't, I didn't ask. Well, why don't you want to know that? I mean, I'm like, I've always got one more question because God made me a very inquisitive person. I can't help my personality. So how did Daniel's life land up impacting the Magi who came to worship Jesus? What I love here is that as each of us, you know, um, with Brett and Ben, 
we have come before you and we have given you what the Lord has told us. And every one of us has a different perspective how God has laid it out before us so that we can lay it out to you. So you can look at it and see different revelation from each of our messages. We know that the scripture says in Matthew 2, 1, Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea during the reign of King Herod. About that time, some, we have no idea how many, wise men from the eastern lands arrived in Jerusalem. They were asking, where's the newborn king of the Jews? You know, we saw his star as it rose and we have come to worship him. The Bible speaks of Persia and Babylon in terms of being in the east. If you look at a map, which of course you know I did, we can clearly see east of Jerusalem, there's Babylon. East of Bethlehem, there's Babylon. Those areas in the scripture, you can see that there's a lot of sorcery that went along in those areas. There was many prophets and prophecies that came through that area. In the book of Ezra in chapter 7, it actually refers to the time it took to travel by camel from Babylon to Jerusalem. And it took Ezra five months. So we know at least you could get there in five months. But clearly, we don't know how many of the wise men were traveling together. So in the book of Matthew, we're not sure. We don't know how big their entourage was and how that could have even slowed them down if there were many traveling together. Daniel 4.3 says, how great are his signs, how mighty are his wonders. His kingdom is an everlasting kingdom and his dominion endures from generation to generation. We know he had experienced great signs and wonders himself, right, Daniel? We know that he did. And he knew the importance of learning from those stories he had been told from his ancestors and the studies of prophets that he had done himself. And he also knew that those great things of God must be told to the next generation so that the Lord would continue to be magnified. So here are some of the prophecies that Daniel would have known because they had come before him. So I'm sure that he had shared these with the Magi wise men while they were under his leadership. They would have heard some of the stories of the Jewish Messiah, the star, the king of Israel born in Bethlehem, and even the time. So let's look at what Daniel most likely would have taught them from what he knew personally from studying or from learning himself. Okay, I'm going to kind of jar some of your memories. How many of y'all remember Balaam? Balaam, ring a bell? <laughs> Balaam was a prophet from Pethor, which was actually a part of the Babylonian Empire. Many of you will remember the story of Balaam's donkey. So here's Balaam riding on his donkey that he had ridden his entire life. And this donkey stops right in the middle of the road. And Balaam's like kicking him, kicking him, beating him. It's like, move, go. And he won't move. And Balaam has no idea what's going on, but Balaam had been summoned by the king to come and curse Israel. And that donkey's like, taking him wherever he's supposed to go, 
But all of a sudden there appears an angel in the road. And that angel has a sword drawn. And that donkey's not taking another step. So he continues to beat him. Go, just go. We got to go. And the donkey wouldn't do it. Three times it says that he beat that donkey. Actually, when I was studying this the other day, Rosemary called and I was reading it out loud to Rosemary. So I think this is so funny because the scripture actually says that the angel, like he finally sees the angel and he's like, oh, now I get it. Now that he's down on the ground, now I get it. My eyes are open. And the donkey tell, I mean the donkey, the angel tells him, listen, three times you beat that donkey. And if you would have beat it again, I would have saved the donkey and killed you. <laughs> I thought, wow. You know, I mean, talk about straight talk from an angel, right? So he saw the angel himself, Balaam, because he had been summoned to go, to, uh, to go and curse Israel, was doing as he was told, even though he knew he could not do it. God was not going to let him. The word says that you cannot, you cannot curse what God has blessed. And he knew that. So Balaam goes through the motions and he gets there before the king. But instead of cursing, he speaks a blessing over Israel. And it infuriated the king. You can read that story in Numbers 22. But Balaam, we forget that he is one of the major prophets that speaks about the Lord's coming. November, tw coming as in birth. November 24th, uh, no, Numbers 24, <laughs> where'd that come from? Says, this is the message of Balaam, son of Bor, the message of the man whose eyes see clearly. I th think that's so funny because he couldn't see a thing. He didn't know the angel was, was there. The message of one who hears the words of God, who sees a vision from the Almighty, who bows down with eyes wide open. And then he says, I see him, but not here and now. I perceive him, but far in the distant future. A star will rise from Jacob. A scepter will emerge from Israel. Guys, that was 1,000 years before the birth of Jesus. But Daniel knew about that prophecy from the prophet Balaam. And he would have taught that to the Magi because they were under his authority. What about Micah's prophecy this Jewish prophet was alive over 700 years before the birth of Messiah. God told him the exact location the Messiah was going to be born in Micah chapter 5, verse 2. It says, But you, Bethlehem, though you were small among the clans of Judah, out of you will come for me one who will be ruler over Israel whose origins are from an old, ancient time. You can't be more old than the beginning, the Alpha and Omega, the beginning of time. Then there was our current focus today, and that's Daniel. There's no doubt that Daniel, out of his own relationship with God and his devotion to pray and to study, 
would have taught those under him from the prophecies that God had personally showed him. One of the most important prophecies that God gave Daniel was the one in Daniel 9:25, where he showed him a period of time called 70 sevens, 70 times seven years. In Daniel 9, the prophecy pinpointed the exact time of the, of the arrival of the Messiah. 483 years would pass between the decree to rebuild Jerusalem issued by Persia and the coming of the Messiah. And authority over the Magi, wise men in Babylon, he would have shared that prophecy. Daniel was alive over 600 years before the Messiah was born. We have researched today about him becoming a prophet in Babylon, and not only did he interpret dreams and visions then, but guys, many of the prophecies he spoke in the book of Daniel are unfolding before our very eyes today and will continue to unfold until the end time. Let's recap before we move forward. Daniel immediately became a hero in the eyes of the Magi. And I believe reading about Daniel that he would have used that place of influence to share with them the truth of scripture about God of Israel, about the promise of his son, not to just save Israel, but to save all who would believe in him. Daniel's teaching was passed from generation to generation until that present day of Magi. They knew there was a Christ child coming. They had counted those years, the 70 times year prophecy, and they were looking to the skies and what did they see? They saw what they were expecting to see. They saw the star. And when they saw that sign, what did they do? It says that they said, this is it. We got to go search for him. We must find him if he's here. I'm sure the words of Isaiah 7:14 had been read in the Jewish synagogue that were scattered all around that current world, proclaiming, Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and we shall call his name Emmanuel, because he is God with us. The Bible in the Old and New Testament has always instructed us to pass on the truth of God's word. We read in 2 Timothy 2.2, Paul says, You have heard me teach things that have been confirmed by many reliable witnesses. Now teach these truths to the trustworthy people who will be able to pass them to others. I've always loved Proverbs 6.20-23. It says, My son, obey your father's commands and don't neglect your mother's instruction. Keep their words always in your heart. Tie them around your neck, and when you walk, their counsel will lead you. When you sleep, they will protect you. When you wake, they will advise you. For their command is a lamp, and their instruction is a light. See, you can see he instructs us very clearly to pass on the things of the word to our children, 
We may not realize, but this is the most important thing you can do as a parent. More than head knowledge, more than world knowledge, this is it. This is what God's calling us to do. Psalm 78 tells us, oh, my people, listen to my instructions. Open your ears to what I am saying, for I will speak to you in a parable. This is in Psalms. Who do you think he was talking about? Jesus. He always spoke in parables. I will teach you hidden lessons from the past, stories we have heard and known, stories of our ancestors handed down to us. We will not hide these truths from our children. We will tell the next generation about the glorious deeds of the Lord, about his power and about his mighty wonders. We know that the Magi, the wise men, knew what they were looking for because they knew the prophecies of old. Their hearts were fixed on finding the king of the Jews. So today I ask this question, what are we looking for? What are you looking for? Are your eyes fixed on the skies like the wise men? Are they here just on this world? Or do they glance to the thing that matters the most? Are you telling those around you, your friends, your family, that Jesus is coming soon? Are you looking for his glorious returning when he will appear in the clouds to gather those who know him and are waiting for his return? The wise men at that time, they just followed after the prophecies they had heard, and then they sought to find Jesus. Guys, right now, in our lifetime, there are so many prophecies regarding our soon coming king. And one of them is Revelation 22, where Jesus himself, that scripture says, behold, I am coming soon. I wonder, just sitting in a crowd like today, are we all prepared to see him? Daniel spent so much of his time investing in his relationship with the Lord. And he is known to be one of the wisest men in the Bible. James 1.5 says, if you lack wisdom. Guys, every one of us have. If you lack wisdom, just ask God who gives generously to all without finding fault. And he's going to give it to you. We must walk in the wisdom of God. We must continue to seek him and him alone with everything that is inside of us. First Samuel 7, 3 says to prepare your hearts unto the Lord and serve him only. Clearly, we need to prepare our hearts to be receptive, to be willing to love and to serve our God. When we prepare our hearts, we have to bring ourselves to a yielded place so that our lives are not about our will and what we want to do, but we want to hear his heart and what he has for us. A heart that is willing to be obedient to the guidance of his written word. 
This requires us to seek him, to take time to know him through his word and through listening to his gentle voice in our lives. We know that when we receive Jesus as our Lord and Savior, that the Holy Spirit comes to live inside of us. That's truly Emmanuel, God with us. He comes to live. The word says that, that our body is the temple of the Holy Spirit. Throughout my study of Daniel, I kept thinking the word said in Daniel 6 that Daniel had an excellent spirit and that is how he had such knowledge and wisdom so here's a question for us are we living in the wisdom every single day that we can receive by being filled with the spirit of God if you want to know the secret things of God they can only come from God. That information only comes from God. He is the one who reveals secrets. He is the one who gave Daniel the understanding of these prophecies. And he's the one that understood the handwriting on the wall. The Apostle Paul explains this, telling us that the wisdom of God is a mystery. It says it is hidden to the world at large. If you're looking to this world to try to understand godly things, you're looking in the wrong place. It says these things are only understood by God revealing it. 1 Corinthians 2, 9 through 12 says, I has not seen nor ear heard nor has entered into the heart of men the things that God has prepared for those that love God. Him, not the world, him, but God has revealed them to us through his spirit for the spirit searches all things. Yes, even the deepest things of God. Now we have received not the spirit of this world, but the spirit who is from God that we might know the things that have been freely given to us by God. Acts 5.32 says, God has promised and given that same excellent spirit to Jesus Christ's disciples, to those that obey him. That's the promise, being given the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is that excellent spirit that Daniel had when he revealed the understanding of God's complete truth. In closing. I know that we are beginning to see birth pains. These are the last days right before our eyes. We know that our redemption is drawing nigh and that our king is coming soon. He is coming again. This is not his first time. This is his triumphant return. I truly believe as time begins to get harder, around us and there is much confusion and there is frustration and there is fear about the affairs of this world the holy spirit that dwells in us that most excellent spirit is going to be able to give us the revelation that we need in our hearts as I was studying the life of Daniel, I kept hearing in my spirit that we must lean on and press into our relationship with the Lord 
as we seek his face, no matter how crazy it gets, we're going to be able to have discernment and the decisions that we must make for us and for our families. And the Holy Spirit will reveal to our hearts and lives the handwriting that is on the wall. We will hear his voice and we will know exactly what to do in uncertain times. Just as Isaiah 9, 6 said, he will be our wonderful counselor. He will be our mighty God. He will be our everlasting father and he will be our prince of peace. I wanna to close today by encouraging you to seek God's wisdom in your life. And just like the wise men of old, don't stop seeking Jesus until you have found yourself prostrate before his face. Can y'all bow your heads? Lord, I thank you that your truth empowers us to have understanding. Lord, I thank you that even when our mind cannot grasp or understand, that you go right into our spirit and into our soul. And you speak the truth of God that we can receive from you the revelation of your son. Lord, I thank you, God, that you draw us to a place of wisdom, more wisdom than we've ever walked in before. Lord, just a yielded place of our lives that we can look to you only for the direction that we must go. The word says that you order our steps. And I declare and decree today that those that are in this place, you went before them and you drew them to you as you ordered their steps. Thank you, Jesus. 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 Holy Spirit, have your way. Have your way in this place. Have your way, Lord. From the minute we got here this morning, your very presence permeated the atmosphere. And I just pray right now, even those that are trying to brush this truth off, Lord God, that it just draws their heart in. Draw their heart in. Lord God, we thank you. The word says that it is your loving kindness that draws us to you. You don't draw us by fear of rejection, but you draw us by a love that is so irresistible, we cannot say no. Lord, I pray if there's anyone here today under the sound of my voice that does not know you, Holy Spirit, have your way, have your sovereign way in this place. 
Lord, your heart is about eternity. This story is true, but Lord, the only reason Jesus came was so that he could live among us, that we could see and know him, and that he could ultimately give his life to buy back our souls, our spirits. Lord, I pray in Jesus' name right now, if there is anyone here that does not know you, Lord, they don't walk out of this place today without receiving you as their Lord and Savior. Guys, can we have the prayer team come up, please? Just come up. These beautiful people love Jesus with all of their hearts. They know him well. And if you are here and either one, you've never asked Jesus into your heart. You've never surrendered your life to him as your Lord and Savior. I'm going to ask you to come. I'm going to ask you to come and find one of these wonderful people so they can introduce you to their very best friend. If you are here today and maybe your hearts have maybe wondered, maybe there's a place where you've grown cold. You know him, but your hearts have grown cold. He's not your first thought when you wake him up in the morning, nor is he your first, last thought when you go to bed or throughout the day. He's calling you to a different place. He's calling you to a place of surrender. He's calling you to a place that he can walk with you throughout every day. Filling you up with the wisdom of God. Filling you up with the love of God.